Welcome to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Magic Valley Bible Church has been serving the Magic Valley for 20 years and is located at the corner of Gooding and Main Street in downtown Twin Falls, Idaho. Our service starts at 9 a.m. and is streamed live on our YouTube channel. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible. Magic Valley Bible Church, built on God's Word. And your pastor failed, okay? <laughs> Trying to understand, we come to a kind of a, a very distinct chapter in Mark's teaching. What he has been teaching us up in, in Mark chapter 1 through 3, he's been teaching us the doings and the happenings of, of Christ and, and pointing to these things. And he slows down in chapter 4, and we'll kind of talk a little bit more about that. But the title of today's sermon, and, and like I say, more of an introductory sermon, as we'll pick up this parable in a couple weeks after Easter, but parable for kingdom entrance is the title. But I do want to read the passage, kind of start getting it stirring in your mind, and we'll kind of make some, some comments as far as how do we approach this parable and see where the Lord takes us from there. But starting in verse 1 to Mark chapter 4, the Word of God reads this. He began, speaking about Jesus, to teach again by the sea. And such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down, and the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And was saying to them in his teaching, listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. As he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and, and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. As soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, get everything in parables. So that while seeing, they may see and not perceive. And while hearing, they may, not, or they may hear but not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? And then he goes on to explain, verse 14, the sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown to them. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown 
on the rocky places, who, when they hear the word immediately, receive it with joy. And when they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary, then when afflicted or persecution arises because of of the word, immediately they fall away. And the others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the good soil. And they hear the word and accept it, bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. It gives us great clarity in how to think rightly about you. Jesus, you taught often in parables. Reasoning we will unfold this morning, but but there was a purpose and a reason. So as to inform those who are your children clearly what the kingdom is about. And for those on the outside, receive judgment. We pray, Lord, that you will teach us this morning as we go through starting this process of looking in and unpacking this parable. May you give us the tools in which to do that. Thank you for the living word and thank you for the spirit and to help us to discern and to interpret, to understand and not to wander, but to stay within the text and understand it. And so we ask that you be with your servant as he desires to pave a way to allow this parable to unfold before us. May we see the glories of, of you in light of what you're doing in the, in the hearts of people. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Like I began, we talked about the significant change that Mark shows us in this chapter. There's only two chapters in the Gospel of Mark in which Mark takes time to to really unfold Jesus' teaching. It is here in Mark 4. The other is in Mark 13. Those two chapters are very significant because you think about what's in them. Of course, in Mark chapter 4, he's going to talk much about what it means to, to enter into the kingdom and, and what it looks like to bear fruit and, and, and be a productive member within the redemption nature of what God has called his people to be. And then when you think about Mark 13, if you know your gospel, you know that Mark chapter 13 is all about in times, the second coming. The fact that he will come immediately and, and, and the end events and all those kind of things. And so he takes these things and, and really slows down. It's not that there's not teaching in other chapters, but he really slows us down to make sure that we get these two important sections in the ministry of our Lord. It's important for us to, to understand exactly how all this, this, this does. And so If anything, we're going to slow down a little bit even more just so that we can grasp exactly what Christ is is teaching us and why Mark gave and was inspired to to put so much emphasis on these two subjects. 
And so Mark slows down for us in this chapter and desires for us to get the truth right, to submit in our minds and hearts and affect us in a way that when we think about the kingdom of God, we know exactly how to live in it. Remember, there's been much healing. There's been much calling. There's been casting out of demons. There's been much opposition in those first three chapters. And then we come to this chapter. It's on the heels of of Jesus calling and, and identifying who are his. And you remember last week, Verse 35 of chapter 3, where where Mark says, For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. They were talking about obedience to the things of Christ. They are in the family of God. They received his grace, they have repented of their sins, and they desire to walk in his ways. And he follows that up with this parable. And I think, if anything, I'm trying to approach this in light of knowing that we have communion and the time that we have left, I, I, I really struggled with the idea of exactly how to go through. Do I, do I give you all of it, which would be surface level kind of stuff, or, or, or do we just kind of slow down? And so, you know me, I'm slow, old. <laughs> we slow down. But I want to, at least in an introductory type way, to kind of go through a little bit of, of, of hermeneutics. And, and what I mean by that is that parables are often abused when we come to the scriptures. Do you know that? I'm amazed when I interact with people and they, they kind of, they, they look at parables and they, they kind of, they, they do some funky things with them. And what usually happens with the funky things is that it turns out to funky theology. And, and that's something that we need to make sure that we understand when we approach and study the scriptures that we know exactly what's going on. So I want to, for us to do this morning, and you can notice that your, your outline is blank because part of it was sickness, but, but part of it was trying to determine exactly where to go with this. And so I, I want to I give you some, some keys, hermeneutical principles on, on how to interpret parables. I think this will set us up, like I say, in a couple of weeks to, to be able to kind of unfold these things. But if you know anything about Jesus, he often taught in parables. And doing a cursory overview of of the Gospels, you know that there's distinctively 24 different parables that Jesus teaches. By the way, most of the Gospels would repeat certain individual parables. Every one of them would be maybe in three Gospels or one or uniquely to that Gospel. But 24 different parables Jesus taught And so it's important for us to have a right understanding when it comes to interpreting parables. Now, the first question we ask is, what is a parable? Well, let me just say it this way. A parable is a unique device to teach spiritual truth to common people. The word comes from two Greek words, para, which means to come alongside, and balo, which means to throw. So you put those two words together, literally it means to throw alongside is the idea of a parable. It means that when two things are compared, because they are alike in some ways, and if the desire is to teach a spiritual truth, you lay down that which is common, and then on top of that you bring forth the spiritual truth. It is to compare or contrast the known with the unknown. And so as you lay this 
one thing down against the other. You see the similarities. You see the contrasts. You, you see the point in which Jesus is drawing us to understand. Maybe it's simple to say it this way. It's the idea of, of telling a story to illustrate a spiritual truth. And Jesus often used parables by, by pointing to something of spiritual value that we can grasp by ordinary means. I mean, he loved parables. But he did so with a specific purpose, right? And those are important for us to understand. And that purpose has been so muddy, like I say, and misunderstood that, 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 that people come up with, with thinking that the parables are just some kind of Bible story for us to, to really just kind of grasp and, and kind of walk away and, and clean ourselves off and say, well, Jesus is a great teacher. Well, listen, he was a great teacher. He is a great teacher. But parables teach much more than just a cutesy story. Now, parables are for those who are redeemed. I think that's important for us to understand. Parables are for those is to reveal spiritual truth. It is also, and this will be one of your points when I get to it, but it is also to conceal to the outsiders. I mean, you watch the interaction of the religious leaders with Jesus, and, and they were often befuddled by what he was teaching and what he was saying. They were often confused. That was purposeful, which tells me this. The only way for us to really understand parables is for us to be redeemed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is able to interpret for us exactly what's going on. And he uses his story and his words to help us to get the sense of the meaning. So that's to walk away with an understanding so that we can obey exactly what God asks us to obey within the parable. Now, setting all this up is important to understand how we approach and break down a parable. And so before we go any further, I, I want to set up with some good hermeneutical principles, which by the way, hermeneutics is the art and science of in, interpreting the scriptures so as to come to the intended purpose of what God wants us to understand. It comes with a, a context and with grammar and, and with words so that we can, can clearly uh, put together so we know exactly what Jesus is telling us. And so these hermetical principles will keep us in check and on task and cause us not to wander and help us to understand the beauty in what Jesus is teaching. Why do I say that? Listen, there's a reason why I say all that. There is a hermeneutical school out there that has desired to allegorize everything within a parable. And maybe if you've come across that, maybe even some sermons, some hearing people preach, and, and you hear how the preacher takes every aspect of a parable and he assigns some kind of spiritual task to it or, or symbol to it and, and really kind of makes it this, this whole thing kind of fit whatever theology he wants it to fit. When it comes to parables, it, it's helpful to understand that there's usually just one main point that Jesus is trying to get us to understand. Everything is driving towards that. Even though there's some color to the story, there is usually only one main spiritual truth that, that he wants us to pull away from. And that safeguards us because then it helps us not take a rabbit trail. And if our rabbit trails lead us away from the main purpose, listen, that's not the point of the parable. The parable is to teach us one main purpose. 
And by the way, when we read our passage before us, did you guys figure out exactly what that one main purpose is? When you think about the sower and the seeds, all these moving parts, the different soils, what you have there for us, exactly what happens when the word of God comes forth and lands on people's hearts, you have different responses. And did you notice that there's four different types of soils? Three of them, which didn't end well, with only one where the word was received and hearts were changed and it produced fruit that was fruitful. And so really, this is so helpful. I remember when I first heard this parable taught that, that, that it really helped me understand the, the dynamic when it comes to evangelism. And understanding how people receive or don't receive the word and how important the sower is in the midst of all this. And, and like I say, we'll get to this in, in a couple of weeks, but you, you can just understand the significance of what happens in people's lives when they receive the word, or at least what it seems to be on a heart that is on good soil. But maybe when trials come up and, and, and the world happens and, and things are kind of squeaked out to how they jettison the faith. And so he is talking about that dynamic of, of when people hear the gospel and he's been preaching, he's been teaching, and he's definitely in front of him has these four types of soils. People who are there for their own purposes, thinking that this is a good deal to sign up for. And, and those who, when persecution come, they run. And when it lands on rocky soil, we'll pull all that out. But it's just remarkable to think about what is happening here and our understanding when it comes to evangelism and how Jesus wants us to understand clearly how to walk away understanding what it looks like when somebody enters into the kingdom and those who do not. But first, hermeneutical principles. There are four of them I want you to note, and they kind of parallel with, with the text in which we've just read. But I think they're, they are unlocking and keys that unlock this parable and help us understand any parable. Well, I think what's remarkable about this is what he says in verse 13 I mean, his call is that if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to get any of the others. And so this is kind of the foundational parable, which makes sense, because if he's talking about entrance into the kingdom and having the Holy Spirit dwell within you and having an understanding to, to discern exactly what Jesus is teaching, you better get this parable right. If you don't, you're not in the kingdom because you don't get salvation right. And so this is important for us to understand. And the first key I want you to understand, and it's a pretty simple, these are pretty simple for us to remember, but parables are word pictures that illustrate. Remember that. The simplicity of parables is that they illustrate something for us. And of course, Jesus, our master teachers, use parables in such a way that, that, that is such a defining and distinctive way that, that we grasp spiritual meaning from it. And he used these parables to paint a word picture for us to grasp, only to bring forth spiritual truth he wanted to convey. And not only did he want to convey it, but he conveys it in such a way that we would obey it. Listen, a parable is not just a cutesy story which you say you put it on your shelf and you ignore it. A parable is taught to convey a spiritual truth so in turn that you would live in light of, of what it's teaching you. 
just like what he said in verse 35, the, the very fact that, that whoever does the will of God is, is, is my, my family. And so this is exactly where the intention of these parables go. For our purposes, you think about the first nine verses of, of Mark chapter 4. He does this by painting a, an agricultural type of picture. He drives us to understand the hearts of, and the effects of evangelism on those type of hearts by using common practices. I mean, you and I both drive around Twin Falls today. We start seeing the ground kind of turning over. We see the tractors out there doing things. And of course, back in Jesus' day, they didn't have those things. But what are they doing? They're preparing the ground. They're getting ready to plant seed if they haven't already. And so he's taking something that, that everybody should understand and then draws upon those commonalities to bring forth a spiritual truth. And so when you look at verse 3 and following, you see what is common to illustrate what he will bring forth, the understanding, when it comes to the spiritual nature of why he gave it. Look at verse 3 again. It says, listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow, and he was sowing. This would be something that was common to them. They would, they would understand this. In those days, they would do something interesting. We'll pull more of this out next week, but, but, or two weeks. But they, they would have a satchel, and they, they would start spreading seed. I mean, so the picture's starting to be formulated in the hearer's mind. And they would throw seed, and, and, and they would come together. And, and so he's starting to draw them in. Verse 4, as he was sowing, some of the seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. I mean, that was common. Even when I drive around Twin Falls and the tractors are doing their work and the seeds are going down, what do I usually see cluster above the tractor? Birds. They're wanting lunch, right? And they're wanting the ability to be able to grab a, a quick bite without much work. And so he continues with this, 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 this analogy, this, this parable. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Verse 5, other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, immediately it sprang up because there was no depth of soil. And the sun had, had risen, it was scorched. I mean, they, they understood exactly what Jesus was saying. When you think about Israel in the days and what's Jesus teaching, I mean, this was commonplace and how they would throw seed. Uh, they wouldn't till the ground beforehand. They would throw the seed and then they would start working the ground to get the seed down back in. And where they, wrought, where they walked, of course, made the ground hard, and they had terraces to build up so as to have planting areas. And you can imagine, you know, all this is visual for them. And like I said, we'll get into a much more color in a couple of weeks. But you can see what he's doing. He's taking something that which is common so as to draw their attention to what he wants to teach. And when it comes to the parable before us, I think it's most likely that maybe there was somebody in the distance as he gathered, and of course the setting is verses 1 and 2 where he's in the boat, they're around, you're teaching. I mean, it's, it's one of those things, but he's, he's pointing to the reality of this illustration. I think we all love illustrations, do we not? What's unfortunate sometimes for a preacher's sake is that, that the people often remember the illustrations more than the truth that it illustrates, and that's the difficulty. We love a good story. But Jesus wants us to understand that the story is there to drive home a spiritual point. And often when a preacher preaches, an illustration is to drive home spiritual truth, to remind us about certain situations in the, uh, doctrine and truth to, 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 and that's to set our, our minds on. 
And so what Jesus would do is grab this illustration that was common in front of his eyes, and he would begin to teach the people. And he would take them, that which was common, which most everybody would understand, and begin to teach and drive home a point. Word pictures, illustration, parables were told in the midst of a living encounter to meet the need in a specific issue or a problem. And so to understand the culture is important for us, to understand the context in which he gives it is important to us. And so when we go with this, it comes, it's not meant to be ripped out of its context. It is meant to be settled for a reason where it's at. That's the beauty of the inspiration of the Spirit to be able to have cohesency and understanding and delivering truth that is able to help us grasp it. In light of that, back to the main purpose of why the parable, a question that must be asked. It's like I was telling you, there's really only one main point that Jesus is trying to get across, and we've got to figure out that why. We've got to figure out what that main purpose is. In context and setting, understanding what's happening will drive that understanding. And so first, when we think about parables, they're going to teach us a word picture. They're going to give us some color. They're going to give us some understanding. Now, second, here's a second key that I want you to understand, and that is that parables identify two groups of people, insiders and outsiders. This is so important. This is exactly what he does here, what Jesus says in verses 10, 11, and 12. Look at it again with me. Look your eyes at verse 10. It says, as soon as he was alone, so he teaches the parable, and as soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him questions about the parables. And he was saying to them, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But those who are the outside get everything in parables. I mean, this is, this is definitive. He, he's pretty much starting to teach because of the opposition that is so heavy against him that he is starting to, do, to teach those who are within the kingdom. And just as we saw last week, we saw this reversal starting to happen. Those whom he thought was his earthly family pretty much came on, on the outside of things, even though some of them came to their senses and, and by the Spirit's drawing came insiders. But we saw this, re this reversal last week, even with the religious leaders of the days who, who should know what the Messiah should look like, should know exactly what the Messiah should be doing, should know, I mean, but they did what? They brought total opposition against him and his teaching. They opposed everything that he, he, he was about. And the outsiders, the ones that the religious leaders of the day kind of kept at bay, the tax collector, the sinners, the, 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 the Gentiles, they became the insiders. And they were the ones that, that Jesus called and whom he saved and, and whom became insiders. And so in this parable, this is what Jesus is showing. He pretty much tells the disciples that he's going to teach this way, and only those who are his are going to get it. And those who are outside, they're going to be kind of pushed continually to the side. 
And if you think about the parables, if you continue to mark through and your study through the gospel of Mark, you know eventually the leaders get it, that, that they were talking about them. And what's interesting about that is that there's a text where it talks about the whole issue of the religious leaders got enraged, all the more so the desire to kill him. All of this in the plan of God. So they continued to be more outside of the, the kingdom plan. And Jesus drew those who were his closer and closer to the reality of all that he was doing. And so parables divide. They clearly point out those who are the inside, those who are on the outside. Now, I mentioned the third point here, and I think this is important. Parables both reveal spiritual truth, and I think that, that we get that. When we approach a parable, we get that. We, we are expecting that. But you also need to understand, with your understanding of parables, is that they also conceal spiritual truth to those who don't know him. I remember this very clearly with a, with a gentleman that was talking about a parable, and he was asking about, you know, parables, and he goes, I don't get it. What was interesting to me was that the guy is very profane. He, he doesn't love the Lord. And right before me, I'm just thinking about this, you know, the reality that, you know what, you're not going to understand until you're saved. That's what I told him. Because, well, no, I just want to understand the parable. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. You need to be saved before you to understand the parable. And so that discussion kind of went on, and it frustrated him because he, he really wanted to understand the parable. I don't know what for. On the flip side, I was driving home the point he's never going to understand until he repents and believes. And so parables both reveal spiritual truth, but they also conceal spiritual truth. And verse 12 points this out for us. Jesus gives the, the, the purpose clause, right? why he was saying that there's going to be insiders and outsiders. He says in verse 12, so that, and he starts quoting some Old Testament passages here and puts them together. And he says there, he says, so that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand, otherwise they might return and be forgiven. This verse has references to Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. The verses in, in, in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8 through 10, you can look to the screen. It comes out of the context of the commissioning of Isaiah the prophet, who was called to go to a very disobedient Israel. And listen to what it says there. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for, for us? Then Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. And God said, he said, go, tell this people. Keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull, their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. I mean, he is pretty much sending Isaiah to to rebuke the Israelites and their disobedience. is trying to point out their, their rebellion, the fact that they hear the things of God, but they clearly don't obey the things of God. Of course, that parallels well with what's happening in Jesus' day and with the religious leaders of the day who are not hearing. They can hear what he's saying, but they're not believing. And so he, he's drawing upon this. 
I think of the passage in Jeremiah 5, 21, where it says, Now hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but do not see, who, who have ears but do not hear. In Ezekiel 12, 2, where it says, Son of man, you live in the midst of a rebellious house, whose eyes to see but do not see, and ears to hear but do not hear, for they are a rebellious house. I mean, you think about what's happening here. The, the incarnation of the Son of God coming and, 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 and paving the way. you got John the Baptist, and here you have Christ coming, declaring that his kingdom is at hand, and you would think all the religious people would, would, would submit to that. They've been looking for that. And yet their hearts were hardened. They saw, and all they saw was what? They were critical to the hilt. Of course, we can surmise some of their, their reasoning, but we know that this was a divine purpose. God knew exactly what was going to happen and in the response and sending his son and how the religious leaders would respond to him. But all, I mean, they, they were just continually throwing rocks at Christ. Instead of rejoicing over healings, he, he, they would say, well, he did it on the Sabbath. He must be the son of Satan. I mean, you think about the hardening of the heart, and, and, and so parables are, 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 are pointing to this reality and concealing the truth. And yet, here's the beautiful thing about it. It's being revealed, however, to those who do believe, to those who receive Christ. I think about the parallel passage of, of Mark 4 in Matthew chapter 13. It, it not only points to the concealment to the outsiders, but also points to the blessings to those who are saved. Mark this down, Matthew 13, verse 16 and 17. We'll throw it up on the screen. It reads there, But blessed are your ears. For those who receive the parable, who understand the parable, blessed are your ears, or your eyes, excuse me, because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. That's exactly what is happening here. The ones who you thought should have got it, who had all the degrees, missed it. But blessed are those who receive grace and mercy and the Holy Spirit to be able to discern and receive it. Parables, word pictures to illustrate. They divide the insider from the outsider. They reveal and conceal spiritual truth. And last, I want you to understand that parables reveal those who are his, those who have spiritual ears to hear. When you think about when a parable is given, it is meant to be understood by those who are his. And not only meant, but obeyed, Right? The point of every parable that Jesus teaches is asking the question, do you have ears to hear? And if so, obey it. Take the truth and live it out. I mean, we think about it. He uses such words emphatically in verse 3 of Mark 4. He says, listen to this. Behold, I want you to understand this parable. Draw you in. Verse 9, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. When Jesus presents a parable, he wants those who are redeemed to understand its truth and in turn obey it. 
By the way, understanding truth always leads to obedience. You understand that? You have to be in disobedience when you hear the truth and not obey it. Hearing truth for the life of the believer turns to obedience. Because we love what our Lord teaches us. We desire to walk in his ways and to follow his truth. By the way, this is the process of sanctification. You hear it. You understand it. You obey it. And you walk in it. I came across an illustration. You guys want a word story? Let me give you an illustration. I came across an illustration I think will drive this last point home for us. It was written by Rodney Cooper, and he tells a story about a man who consulted a doctor and told him that his wife is hard of hearing and possibly deaf. He told the doctor, when I asked her questions like, what are we having for dinner? She doesn't answer me. The doctor said, well, bring her in. I'll examine her. So the man brought his wife in, and the doctor had her stand about 50 feet away. And the doctor said to the man, Go ahead, ask her what you're having for dinner. And so he said, hey, honey, what are we having for dinner? Next, the doctor had the wife stand 40 feet away. And again, he asked the wife, what is for dinner? After going through this routine, the doctor finally has the wife stand five feet away from the husband. And so the husband asked, hey, honey, for the sixth time, what is for dinner? The wife looked at the doctor And then back at her husband and said, dear husband, for the sixth time, I said, we're having pizza. (laughs) Here's the point. The man thought his wife had the hearing problem. But the problem is he had the hearing problem. The presumption, this presumption is exactly what is happening here in our passage. The spiritual leaders thought that they had the inside scoop of God. They thought they understood exactly what the Messiah would do. And when Jesus didn't meet that expectation, they became death to the things of God. The problem was they got the Messiah wrong. And they were so stubborn that they became the problem. And so Jesus often taught in parables in order to distinguish exactly what's going on in their hearts. Now, as a disclaimer, we've got to move to the Lord's table here, but as a disclaimer, when you come across a parable, it's okay at first to be somewhat confused. But as you start to get the context, as you start to, to, to put it in its setting, as you start to apply some principles, knowing that God has a, has a main purpose within it, and you put forth these hermeneutical tools, you're going to start to see these parables come to life to you. And they will be a blessing to you. And if you're saved, you will get the point, and you will understand. And in turn, you will obey. So what I'm saying is that at first, if you you look at a parable and say, well, I don't know what to do. Listen, that's just a challenge for your soul to get into the the word and, and to pull these things out and to continue to study and and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you grasp its meaning. Knowing that this is the truth that he wants us to get. 
And it will be only for those who are his that get it. That's exactly what's, what's happening in our passage. Now, this sets us up nicely for in a couple of weeks when we start unfolding this parable. And I want you to come because it's very important. It's very important to understand exactly the heart because my concern is that even in a group this size, that there's going to be individuals that will have and experience all four types of soils that Jesus is going to talk about. I think it's presumptuous to think that everybody here is saved. And it's important for us to go through such a parable as to, to understand its meaning so as to grasp exactly. And my prayer is that God would use the parable to draw people unto himself. That people would understand that they are the individuals who, who are, are maybe a different soil and they need to come all the way to Christ. Like I say, a couple weeks, we'll do that. I want to shift gears and, and, and move. We, as a church, have the privilege of partaking in the, in the Lord's table, an ordinance that is given to the church, an opportunity for us to remember. And, and of course, it falls on a, on a special week where we think about the Passion Week, all that Jesus Christ has done for us. I'm going to ask the men to come and the worship team to come. And as they're coming, I, I want us to be mindful as we come to this ordinance. Again, as much as we talk about insiders and outsiders, listen, communion is for those who are on the inside, for those who have received Christ as their Lord and Savior. We believe in open communion here. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want you to participate. Why? Because the elements, they point to the reality of who Jesus is. It reminds us of his salvific work. It reminds us of the things that we will preach about on Sunday. It reminds us every day of the resurrection, that we live in that resurrection power, have Jesus has come and given us grace, and we live in his forgiveness and his mercy, and we're able to, to walk in his ways. And so communion is given to the church as one of the ordinances to, to encourage, to remind us that the day is coming where he's coming back again. And so, in light of that, we are going to be ready. We're thankful for what he's done. We're looking forward to what he's going to do. And in the midst of between those two events, we're going to be faithful to follow the commands of our Lord. Amen? We do that, of course, with an understanding of a worthy heart. Listen, if, if, if life is has been so unbearable that you have sin upon sin. We just need to stop and go to the Lord and seek him and make sure that our hearts are right, understanding that we're going to a remembrance of the elements that has caused us to remember of our forgiveness. And so he's there. He wants us to prepare and come in a worthy manner that is able to approach him and receive the elements with such joy and with such happiness and with such grace. So what I'd like for us to do is, is to pray silently and prepare our hearts in, in light of receiving the elements. So let us do that. Will you bow your hearts with me? Thank you for listening to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash MV Bible or YouTube at youtube.com slash MV Bible.